Hello, Millennium Alliance listeners. Connor Tui back with another episode of the Millennium Live podcast. We're doing a partnership series, and we are lucky to have a great partner with us today who is bringing digital strategies to life for all sorts of enterprises. We have Lightbend, and they are providing the core technologies that are enabling developers to easily build high-performance, scalable cloud-native microservices and APIs, which we're going to be diving into today. Companies worldwide are turning to Lightbend to really solve these challenges to support the most business-critical initiatives. I am happy to have Alec Cross, the VP Business Development at Lightbend, on the show today. Alec, thank you so much for joining the Millennium Live podcast. Thanks, Connor. Glad to be here. Yeah, just a brief intro to Alec. He is responsible for leading the Lightbend Partner Network and growing strategic relationships with the world's leading system integrators, which is SI and hyperscalers. He's got over 25 years of experience helping customers solve their most challenging business problems with practical implementation of software. You are an industry legend, as we call them, on Millennium Live. So uh, it's great to have you on board. And I can't wait to pick your brain about cloud native. And uh, I've got a great list of questions here. So Alec, let's dive in. First of all, about cloud native and what what that actually means. So based on my brief talks with digital enterprise leaders about cloud native, that it's much more scalable, much more free flowing, if you will, compared to something maybe cloud based. So Maybe in your own terms, you can enlighten our audience about what cloud providers mean by cloud native applications. That's a really good question, Connor. We, uh, you know, talking to customers and prospects, sometimes I feel like it's a very overloaded term. A lot <laughs> of folks feel that they've uh, done a lift and shift to the cloud, and they feel like, hey, we've 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 accomplished we're cloud native. You know, when you talk to a lot of the hyperscalers like AWS, to them being cloud native really means that you've architected your applications in a way that gets the most out of their distributed cloud infrastructure. And really what that means to us, it's a microservices based solution architecture that's using something like Kubernetes to manage your manage your applications in containers. I'm sure our members are interested in in listening to what perhaps are the key benefits of, of cloud native applications. Yeah, I mean, I think it, it kind of goes back to what the cloud really provides, right? And that distributed cloud infrastructure and the opportunity to pay for what you use. That is probably one of the most compelling reasons outside of, you know, a lot of folks, certainly they don't want to be managing data centers anymore. They, they, they really like all the security aspects that the cloud hyperscalers bring to the table. But when you start getting into the world of of managing applications, what you see are a lot of companies that have lifted and shifted applications to the cloud, thinking that there's going to be significant cost savings associated with that. What they're starting to realize is that really they're renting the data center that they used to have, and their applications really aren't taking full advantage of the dis- the distributed cloud nature of, of the cloud, as well as the ability to really allow their applications to scale up and down elastically based upon demand, which really is the opportunity to pay for what you're using and not pay for you know unused infrastructure. Cost is very important to uh, any any business uh, that's perhaps uh, testing the waters here. So the benefits are of cloud native 
applications are pretty great. Could you tell us perhaps why uh, not everybody's on board or maybe why everyone isn't doing it right now? You know, I think that's uh, it's a good question. I, mean, I think everybody has a cloud strategy right now, but I think that what you're seeing a lot of companies starting to look at is that pause, kind of looking at what do they need to be doing to get the most out of the cloud and what type of changes do they need to make to their organization to get the most out of the cloud? A lot of that is, you know, investing into a DevOps type of organization that and embracing a solution architecture that is embracing containers. And then finally, the I think one of the more challenging aspects of it is, is kind of a data strategy that, you know, is shifting folks more to an event-based architecture versus, you know, a, a data, relational database type of architecture that is difficult to scale, you know, truly scale at large across the cloud. Alec, that's that's a really good point. I'm sure companies are interested in go and doing cloud native. For companies that want to go all in and, and build true cloud native microservices, what are the critical success factors involved and how do we get there? Yeah, I think it's a, a really good good question. I think that, you know, to go really all in means for majority of folks that have done a kind of a lift and shift, if they maybe even containerize some of their applications and kind of created microliths, folks need to really start thinking about kind of re-architecting their applications in that cloud native microservices type of approach where they're embracing a data strategy that is, you know, an event-based type of architecture. So things like Kafka and Confluent, as far as, you know, publish, subscribe, their infrastructure strategy, truly embracing the, the different layers that across the cloud native stack, as far as, you know, in an Amazon world, that's EKS or a Microsoft world, that's an AKS, but a managed Kubernetes layer. And then bringing on those, you know, that organizational expertise or the partners that truly know how to architect a cloud native application and build it in a way that it truly can scale up and down, be resilient, can be robust and still meet their high performance SLAs. Yeah. And, you know, actually, that reminds me because I, I perhaps there's some companies out there that realize the benefits of cloud native, perhaps don't want to go all in or you know they, they want to take a step back and refactoring applications. Is it possible to to realize the benefits of cloud native perhaps without going all in? Yeah, I mean, there, there are certainly uh, folks that, you know, like I said, they might wrap their application in Kubernetes, right? And they, they feel like that that application can't, you know, runs in a container. It can scale up to meet some demand, but Oftentimes what you see or when, when folks try to containerize an application, they typically can scale up a little bit, but where they start really uh, having some challenges is truly the database sometimes gets in the way as far as when that scales out across uh, distributed infrastructure. And then, you know, that, that introduces some new complications, if you will, around the data strategy and, and being resilient. Uh, so when, you know, the cloud is distributed infrastructure, it's going to go up and down. So when a container may fail, that may create some challenges in their database, which may create some other other challenges around just uptime and availability and customer experience. So you see customers 
you know, some are successful depending on the, this, I guess, the, the, the use case of the application or the scale of the application. But, you know, the class of application that we're talking about, you know, a business critical type of application that always has to be on, that does have a, a variable workload that should scale up and down. That's where you see just wrapping an existing container, call it, I call it a microlith, if you will, right? Just that monolithic application shoved in a container. They typically just don't scale up really well. And when you try to scale them down, that's, that's really when they start having challenges. I want to talk a little bit perhaps about some, some cloud-hosted services, such, such as an IDP. And tell me more about an IDP and, and the benefits of something like that and, and what it takes to build one. Yeah, so a lot of larger organizations, especially in the in the global 2000, they've created this organization that's you know they're they're used they've got a DevOps organization and they've they've got solution architects, but what they're really trying to do is is create an environment for developers to be as productive as possible. So what we're seeing a lot of organizations do is build what what uh, the industry is referring to as an internal developer platform. And that internal developer platform is that team stitching together the various different layers of cloud native infrastructure, putting the guardrails and, and guidelines in place for the developers so they can be very productive. And if you if you look at uh, you know if you look at AWS did a really nice job of uh, publishing a microservices white paper. And if you read through the microservices white paper. There are about 18 different AWS services that you have to take into consideration to stitch together the, that cloud native infrastructure. If you look at the CNCF landscape of the cloud native, it looks like you need a magnifying glass to see all the different players in all the different areas. So it's a boatload of decisions that solution architects and organizations have to make to say, what is the, what is the stack that we're going to build our applications upon? then make the decisions, how are we going to stitch it together? Then how are we going to own and operate that? So they create these platform engineering teams to create that quote unquote internal development platform for their development teams to start building their applications upon which. And it's effectively a new product that they're building uh, so that they can you know, kind of get that developer productivity and accelerate time to market and simplify some of their operational aspects. Yeah, you know, that feels like a lot. And uh to follow up on that, it, it, does a, a serverless approach like AWS Lambda you know, solve for this? And 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 on top of that, for organizations that don't have large IT teams and and the resources and the time to invest in creating an IDP, are perhaps are there alternative approaches to this? Yeah, I mean, I think you know, in a nutshell, something like a you know a Lambda or Google Function as a service they're not going to replace the IDP, right? That's going to be a very small piece of the puzzle, if you will. It certainly does some, has a lot of advantages, um, you know, but it's not the full stack, right? It's just a small piece of this piece of the puzzle. There's still a lot of integration into the, into the backend systems and, you know, function as a service doesn't have uh, data persistence. So if you're going to, if there needs to be some sort of statefulness associated with that with that function, then you need to be wiring in a database and then considering in all those ramifications. I want to talk a little bit about the products of Lightband and and, and dive into there. I know I want to talk about really building high performance cloud native microservices and APIs, which is what you're doing. So, what type of use cases is uh, is a Calix uh, best suited? Yes. 
So, you know, the, the history of, of light bends, before I just jump into calyx real quick, the, the simplest way to explain it is the history of light bend is based on ACA. ACA being, for the longest time until most recently, has been one of the leading microservices development framework in runtimes for building business critical type of applications. And what's unique about ACA is it is, it, is a true implementation of, of an actor model. What ACA does with that implementation of the actor model is it allows organizations to build microservices that are first event-based, which really that actor-based with an event-based model allows those microservices to one, be incredibly performant. So we're talking about building that class of application where performance SLAs, any performance SLA can be made. The second the second piece that's very uh, critical to that is also there have to be robust. They have to be resilient. They have to be resilient to failure. So when you're in that distributed cloud infrastructure, failure is going to happen. So designing for failure and planning for failure, that actor-based model embraces failure. So your applications, when built correctly with ACA, are incredibly fault tolerant. And then they're also incredibly scalable, resilient. Then finally, they're in, in just amazingly efficient uh, because they truly just use the cloud resources that are necessary. You know, we've seen some customers that, that have built some of the most amazing global platforms, e-commerce platforms that power digital business. But, you know, in doing that, these applications are pretty challenging to build. And that's, you know, that's why you see a lot of companies kind of focus on, hey, we need to build you know, an internal developer platform to provide some guardrails, to provide some guidelines. And that's where we started investing in Calyx. What we've done with Calyx is we've taken the 10 plus years of best practices in history and what we've done for some of the world's leading brands and building their business critical applications with Akka. And what we've done is, is kind of wired all that stuff together, all that cloud native infrastructure together for them using the ACA framework and provide that abstraction layer uh, on top of all of that called Calyx. What Calyx really effectively is, is an, an internal developer platform that can be used in any of the cloud providers. So we embrace, you know, the Amazon, uh, Google, Microsoft cloud native infrastructure and allow developers to build their cloud native applications very simply by simply they they define their data structure. So they're defining their API and they're defining their business logic. And from there, the Calyx platform effectively does the rest. And because it's a managed platform as a service, organizations don't have to worry about all the care and feeding it, it takes to keep that platform alive. Uh, that's, that's part of the Lightbend service in, included in that platform. That sounds awesome. And I know in terms of what organizations want, they're looking for, you know, the speed, ease of implementation, and of course, the cost, they want that to be low. In terms of perhaps uh, other solutions that may may be out there that organizations are looking at, what makes Calyx uh, different from an alternative approach or, or some other solution that uh, that could be out there? Yeah, I mean, Connor, I think the, the easiest way to describe the, I guess, the number one competitor to Calyx is do it yourself. And that's really where organizations have to go back and say, you know, they're going to focus on building their own internal development platform and wiring everything together, 
and having to manage those type of all, all of those different services. So if you look at, you know, the Amazon stack, there's, you know, a solid dozen plus services that they're going to have to subscribe to manage stitch together as they're building their application. And when you do that, right, there's a lot of human resources and specialized talent that's necessary. And that's really where you start seeing cost of building applications start to explode, cost to maintain applications start to explode. It's because there's just so much that needs to be taken in consideration and so much expertise and specialized skills up and down the stack that becomes just, you know, a, a barrier for, you know, those organizations outside the global 2000. They just don't have those large IT organizations and the ability to hire the, the top talent that really is required to build that class of service. You know, and that's, that's where the benefits of Calix truly start to shine is that when you don't have to worry about all those layers within the cloud native stack, then knowing that it's taken care of, knowing that it's taken care of by, you know, a best best of breed, best practices approach where developers just have to focus on the business logic. We're seeing organizations accelerate their time to market from front application development two to five times. And then because all of the operational aspects are taken care of it, they're not having to hire additional, you know, SRE type of engineers to you know, do the care and feeding of the application. So it's really a, a very like a net zero add to their operational uh, environment. Well, Calix sounds like an awesome product. And it's, you know, it's great to have this conversation with you, Alec, because uh, uh, really, really interesting innovation, uh, especially going on at Lightbend. And I know you're a busy guy. And I want you to get back to your work week, but I do want to throw an open-ended question at you. And uh, it, it, I want to, always end millennium live with a uh, a look to the future and uh you know you've been in this industry 25 years i'm you've seen the 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 innovation and the change and, and the transformation and the digital enterprise so um where do you see this industry going in in 5 to 10 years in as in, in regards to cloud and how lightbend is helping really transform so many different industries such you know you were talking about e-commerce streaming customer experience you know telemedicine and, and, and media it's it's amazing and and what the possibilities are out there so just to maybe grab a little couple of your thoughts about what maybe what's out there and what's next yeah i mean i think we're going through a revolution i think that uh what chat gpt has done uh you know i kind of unveiled earlier this year uh, organizations are kind of going through a, a revolution and developers are going through a, a revolution. I think what organizations are seeing is an opportunity for generative AI, AI to start doing a lot of what a developer's job could be doing, right? A lot of the low-hanging fruit as far as the non-value add in an application, you're going to see a lot of the gen AI type of products take, take the, those features over. There's still a lot of unknowns there. Where I do see the world going, you see developers really starting to become, you know, more business level developers. Where you see, you know, in the world of of custom application development, you know, they're going to be focused on addressing the business problems themselves and letting the application or the, the platform take care of the rest. And that's what I think is really exciting about Calix is you know, we're there already, right? We've got that platform that allows developers to focus in on the business problem and quickly address the business problem and deliver an application very quickly and efficiently. So I, I think that's where the, the world of developers are going is that next generation of abstraction. 
And I'm real excited. I think we're on the uh, cutting edge of that. Well, me too. Great to talk to you, Alec. Uh, great to pick your brain and, and get your insight into the industry. To our members, uh, thanks for listening. And we do have a Millennium Alliance Assembly, a DET's Digital Enterprise Transformation CIO Assembly coming up this fall in Miami, Florida, November 1st and 2nd. Alec Cross, thank you so much for joining Millennium Live. Can't wait for the future and what the future holds. Thanks, Connor. Really appreciate it.